Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this week, due to listener request, we are going to talk about the flip side of Riz, creepiness. <laughs> but before we get onto that magnificent topic, Sarah, what you eating and what's eating you? You know, once again, a day fueled uh, entirely thus far by espresso. But um, my my little type one diabetic little boo thing uh, had an extra glucose monitor hanging around. So I stuck that to the back of my arm because I'm just like curious what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. And it's the absolute wildest shit in the entire world. Like you just your body just finds glucose places when you're hungry and I also want to say to all the like, you gotta eat breakfast people. No, you don't, because your glucose naturally rises in the morning and you're good. You're good from the food that you ate the day before, believe it or not. So get off my back. 100%. And uh, everybody's body is different. Some people need to eat breakfast, some people don't. Like, there is no hey. one, size, one size fits all. And you can buy them. Just buy a Dexcom uh, 7 and then just stick that motherfucker right in your interstitial fluid and it'll tell you exactly what your blood sugar is. And it's good for 10 days. And I'm going to use it as a hell of a learning opportunity to see what happens to me when I eat certain stuff and when I do certain stuff. So go for it. (laughs) And Dexcom, if you want to uh, sponsor uh, our podcast, you know how to get in touch. (laughs) I mean, I will say, I gotta say, Dexcom, I'm ready. I'm ready to, I'm ready to be the front person of this. It was super easy for my stupid ass to stick onto the back of my arm. It didn't hurt at all. I do not feel it. I fell asleep on it immediately. Like, I mean, 10 out of 10. Good job, uh, medical, you know, engineering magicians. You absolutely fucking nailed it with this one. <laughs> okay, that, that's amazing. <laughs> but... What, but like, so, but what are you eating? Cause this is what I get told over and over again. People come here for a lot of reasons. A lot of people come here for the food. Um. <laughs> Last night, uh, we had seconds of, uh, I, I, I make my lasagna old fashioned with a Parmesan bechamel. So instead of a ricotta mm. mixture in the middle, um, and as you know, it's a cooked flour based sauce, like one of the mother sauces, um, and the whole thing between that now, now people say that this is simultaneously cheating and working too hard. Cause I do a parm bechamel on the one hand, whisk, whisk, whisk until your arms fall off. But I also choose the no boil noodles because ain't nobody got fucking time for that. <laughs> but you know what? They still taste good. They're so good. They absorb yeah. all the tomatoey juices. It's so much better than even an al dente, you know? I I completely agree. And I, I say there's no, we're not Italian. We're not like from Italy, Italy. So we're allowed to, you know, do whatever the fuck we want as long as it tastes good. Damn right. Goddamn right. <laughs> what about you? What are you eating and what's eating you? Oh, um, so let's, uh, let's stay Italian themed. Um, so um, <laughs> as many of you, uh, as many of you don't know, um, I'm part uh, part Italian on my adopted mother's side. So I weirdly know how to make a lot of Italian dishes. Also had one, uh, one partner who, who spent time in Italy and basically came back with an illustrated uh, Bible of uh, how to make uh, classic Italian dishes with beautiful illustrations. And I've worked on refining these over the last 20 years, essentially. And I've done them all thousands of times, basically. 
So I was cooking for the first time for my wonderful darling. And um, I decided to make something I knew how to make um, and I couldn't fuck up. So I made just a classic ragu. Um, Beautiful. And the, the question was always like, which protein do you decide to use? Um, there are a lot of ways to go. And it changes uh, small details, right? This is where the ragu comes in. Like the basic is very simple, right? You, you saute some onions, some garlic. Here's a little pro tip. You uh, put a couple anchovy fillets in the oil so mm. that they break apart and melt into it. Just adds a little mm. umami, right? All that basic. But then the question is, you know, which protein do you use? So uh, the classic Italian way is uh, to use, is to cut up uh, like cheap meat. Mm-hmm just with a knife because they didn't have ground beef back in the day. So you just mm-hmm. cut it up and depending on the fat content that will alter the, the cooking time, the flavor profile, all that stuff. Ground beef is of course the uh, updated standard that most people are familiar with. We decided to sort of find the happy medium and we, we saw this beautiful short rib, which was wonderfully mm. mar- marbled. So it has great fat content, but also uh, would still have the sort of classic flair because you have to, uh, you know, it's, it's still a little chunks. It's not ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a very, because of the fat content, it, it makes this very like unctuous, rich sauce. And I splurged oh. and bought uh, San Marzano um, tomatoes to mm-hmm. go in it, so the, and which are like creamier than your um, uh, domestic tomatoes. So it turned out really, really well. Um, so, uh, <laughs> all I have to say is it doesn't have to be fancy for date night. It just has to taste fucking great. Okay. Listen, you want a real restaurant tip? It's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. That's what restaurants give to food that you don't and don't like have. It's not even, it's not even really skill. Mm-hmm. It is knowing which order, what time and how long. Right. So yes. you, the reason your ramen fucking sucks is because... <laughs> Kyle down at Shoyu shop in Irvington has been boiling his fucking bones for 36 hours. And you put yours in this morning in the crock pot. His is better. Now, listen, ragu, Italian food. Generally, it's all the same, the same, the same. So I know, right? <laughs> let me give you a perfect example of fucking time being the key ingredient, even though none of the things were quick or slow cooking. And it was tiramisu. I made mm. a motherfucking baller tiramisu (laughs) for my sweetie's birthday and here was the key you take when you dip the lady fingers it's just it's half of it Mm -hmm. like not even like a split second in flip it over wet side on top and then what i did this is my little tip for everybody is i take uh espresso granules and then you grind them really fine and then sprinkle the powder over so then when you're doing your layering, yada, 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 you got your cream, you got your mascarpone, all that stuff. Uh, as the reason that tiramisu is stiff is because some of that moisture from all those other two layers soak down into the mm-hmm. sponges. And the reason that you just want a little half little dip with the, with the, with the sprinklies on top is that moisture will come down, soak up the espresso granules, and then finish mm-hmm. hydrating the cake. And it will be perfectly, perfectly stand up stiff. that sounds unbelievable tiramisu is one of my favorite desserts in the universe i always thought that it was stiff because it's like the sexiest fucking food in the world um (laughs) (laughs) but uh thank you for the much more scientific and correct uh explanation um 
and this is also something that like even if you're not the greatest cook in the world there's something lovely and personal and romantic about making food for each other yes um Wait, real quick, can I now tell, commit to the podcast, my singularly worst culinary failure that I had? (laughs) Yes, please, please. A week and a half or 10 days ago. So we bought this lamb leg on sale, and I, not a butcher with zero butchery skills, decided I can unroll this thing and tie it up with a bunch of fillings. Yada, yada, yada. It's fine. The recipe said, the recipe said... One hour or two hours tented, one hour untented, minimum three hours. I go to temp it at like an hour and a half. It's at temperature, but it's mm-hmm. stiff as a board, stiff as a dead fucking newly dead body. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but like it's at temp, right? Like not, no, it's me thinking lamb, right? So I'm thinking like red mm-hmm. center, right? Like a, a rack, mm-hmm. a, so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm like, fuck it. I'll pull it. Like, we'll just see how it does. Okay. It is like a shoe. Now, it is a very, very well-seasoned, you know, I had the Dijon, I had the herbs, I had the bundle, a shoe nonetheless. Don't worry, though, it does get worse, because I was like, hey, no problem, I have all these pan juices, I will make a pan gravy. I look in the cabinet looking for cornstarch everybody's old favorite for making Mm -hmm. a thickened sauce. They don't have that. My sweetie doesn't have that. What he does have is tapioca starch. Now I have never used tapioca starch as a thickener, but I thought, well, truly how different could it be? Not a Google in sight, not a Google, not a conversion. Fuck it. Both feet right in the deep end. Just throw it right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Same measurements, everything. My guy, when I tell you that it was the texture of Nickelodeon slime coming down on a Kids' <laughs> Choice Award host. I was going to say, but, you're going to get double dare. You're gonna... <laughs> but it, wait, it gets worse because of the acidity that I had brushed it with and the fact that I was cooking it in a cast iron pan. It was also black. So oh. black gelatinous stringy gelatinous slime and listen i i i have never seen a more beautiful and heartfelt show of affection than the string of lies that came out of my partner's face about how it really wasn't that bad and that motherfucker just ate it and i watched the whole time, like I was watching someone consume a living person from the inside out. If you want to know what love is. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess because I felt like I should have had to wear like a shame-based sandwich board with some sort of message and walk in someone's town square while the villagers yelled shame at me. And rang bells, uh, Yeah. But um, he said it was fine. And then a few days later, he, he, you know, had to unfortunately abandon this lie like a beach house on a, on a dissolving coastline uh, and feed it to the chickens. So here yeah. we are. I love that. And I just want to remind all of you out there, this is why we try new things. They don't always work out. But, you know, the nice thing about it, you get to try again and do better next time. All all I'm asking, you encounter a new ingredient. Starches are starches. No, the fuck they are not. Just Google 
conversion cornstarch to tapioca starch. That would have really, that would have saved 30% of that absolute disastrous shoes with oobleck on it. But now if you ever need to make troll snot, you know exactly how to do it. I know exactly how to do it. And it'll be based Mm. off of lamb leg. It'll be delicious. So so this is going to, uh, I don't know how it pivots. I don't care. That was hilarious. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to talk. You know, I was really, personally, I was very, very happy with the response about our episode about Riz. Um, So thank you for indulging me, Sarah. Um, (laughs) But we got a bunch of uh, listener questions. And the one that I think that encapsulates uh, a lot of them very simply uh, is from an anonymous listener who wrote in, I really enjoyed the episode about Riz, but I'm not even close. I'm still in the dark pit of creepiness. Please send a rope, a light, maybe some food and help me out. (laughs) Oh, sorry, buddy. Sorry to, you're right down there. If you put the lotion in the basket, uh, you don't get the hose again. So... Um, I, 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 I think this is a great question because you're right that we might, we probably put these out of order, our apologies, but for those of you who are, there is, is, you know, a light off in the distance that you're just trying to avoid uh, coming off as creepy. Yep. Right. So to you, Sarah, what to you is creepiness? Um, to me, it is either the repeated or singular, even violation of a boundary um, it is generally making women feel unsafe, which I know that's like uh, like a very indecipherable sort of ether-based concept, right? Like making women feel unsafe mm-hmm. because that is entirely based on personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but like creepiness, ooh, this is like harder to define almost than mm. Riz. I feel like a chief justice. I know it when I see it. Um, yeah, it, the famous uh, Supreme Court case about pornography. Hard to define, but you know it when you see it. So it's, it is, I think creepy can also come off in a few different ways. There's, there's unsafe mm-hmm. creepy and there's just like irritating creepy. Like, mm-hmm. um, oh, how do I talk about this person without, with the, okay. <laughs> there's a person who so famously ignores signals that you do mm-hmm. not want to talk to him that I posted to my just small friend group and people that I had no idea that they had contact with this person reply. were like, fuck that guy, mm-hmm. fuck that guy to the end of the earth. And, and the, and the, what I can tell you about this person is his overarching sort of headline is like talks at you. Mm-hmm. Like, Women are socialized to be polite more than anything. And we're socialized to uh, humor men and sort of coddle their egos. And this kind of man will kind of talk in your general direction because whether this is conscious or not, like your training is that you have to engage with this person as a woman because it's like your job. Like it's like your, you have a vagina, thus you must engage with men talking in your general direction. And we've all seen the memes of uh, the guy with his like arm around a girl and then talking to her and she just looks like she wants to like gnaw her arm off and escape. 100%. And um, with regard to 
being like talked at like this is one of those situations in which like nonviolent men very much benefit from the violence of violent men because yeah. the reason that we're taught to do that is i mean speaking personally at least and i most women have this experience is that some man at some point demanded our attention he didn't get it and he became really angry or threatening mm-hmm. of violence or calling you na- like horrible horrible names mm-hmm. um and and so like the reason that we do that is for our own protection <clears throat> and the the way i would say creepiness manifests is number one violating boundaries whether stated or like kind of implied situationally yeah i want can i jump in here so this this is the first trigger of creepiness and i'm going to give it like a uh more formal sounding name uh it's called inappropriate affect interesting yes (laughs) meaning that the person is behaving or acting in a way that's inappropriate to the social signals or the situation that other people are giving off yep so an obvious example might be uh, someone who's laughing uproariously at a funeral, right? Um, right, but it can be as subtle as uh, hitting on someone who clearly does not want you to hit on them. Yep. Right, or just talking to someone who clearly does not want you to to talk to them, just overriding and violating those signals. So um, it's also why uh, <laughs> it's also why. People who are psychotic, for example, are intensely creepy and evoke this sort of visceral dread. It's because they are reacting to signals that no one else can see and are thus inappropriate. So I'm giving you like a scale of what these things can look like. They're all sort of lumped under the same category, but that's exactly what you're describing. Yeah. And and you experience this in so many different like um, there is a stink bug directly on top of my microphone winter's cool in the midwest um i would say it's it's it starts so young of starting to recognize like let me just for i don't god forbid i don't know why a children would listen to you to listen to this podcast to you or i but adults don't need your help adults don't need your help if you're a kid uh Mm -hmm. it is you know it is really obvious when it's a person of like authority making someone uncomfortable, but like, this is also the, you know, this is the continuum down to predator, right? Like, and you know, like my fucking middle school youth, um, youth group teacher who used that position and his proximity to those kids to hit on then high schoolers as like a fully grown 20 something adult. Right. Yeah. So creepiness would also be, um, would also be, reacting i would say continuing to push your emotional narrative regardless of the signals of the other person i i think that's great and this is for a lot of listeners out there you know this is something obviously you guys are not sexual predators as far as we know just making that extremely (laughs) clear but it's the same dynamic yeah right when you prioritize what you're feeling and what you want out of a social interaction over yeah. what the other person is signaling to you, yeah. what they want out of the social interaction. Yeah. So I can give an example. I was, this is a few months ago. I was at an event. I, I there was a woman I wanted to hit on her. Sorry. This is before I met my partner. Just want to be <laughs> clear about that. Um, 
And so I went over there, but she was very much in work mode and she would just signal she wasn't interested. So I just like saying, oh, it was great to see you. Broke off the uh, thing. I had signaled my interest. She was like, I'm not in the place for this right now. Right. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, great. And left yeah. and talked to other people, whatever. You know, flash forward a month later, see her again. And suddenly she comes over to talk to me. She's like, hey, we never got to finish that conversation. Right. Now clearly signaling that she's in the place to have that that conversation right and this shows uh, what i want to make clear to some of the listeners out there is that you don't get the second interaction without paying attention to the signals in the first bless you right that i knew i'm like i had this emotional narrative i want to go over there i want to hit on this attractive woman and but by externalizing my focus and i want to make this very clear by Focusing not on what I was feeling, but on what she was telling me, both yep. both um, uh, through her language and her her spoken language and her body language. I then listened and then did not give an inappropriate social affect, but instead matched her social affect. Correct. Right. So if you want to avoid being creepy uh, in in terms of social affect, focus your attention on the people around you. Yep. Right. And what they are signaling to you yep. and then match that and give them the appropriate uh, and then react appropriately to that, because that doesn't mean you won't get what you want eventually. Yeah. It just means that you are demonstrating to them that you are willing and capable of prioritizing like an adult yep. their feelings over your short term desires. I also... I, I am, if you will go with me while I coin yeah. a term, please, yeah. uh, which is, you need to tell me which one's better, which is last lifeboat mentality or last meal mentality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like scarcity mindset. I like, um, I like last meal. Yeah. So I think that a lot of men, I mean, I think that the male experience and you talk to you, if, if I beg of you, I beg of you men to please make friends with a handful of trans men because- like mm-hmm. all trans transgender people, the reason that trans people are generally much smarter than the rest of us is like they have been forced into a 30,000 foot view of dividers and binaries such as gender. Right. Um, but when I talk to my uh, trans male friends and I have a handful, including like my childhood best friend, like mm-hmm. talking about how loneliness maleness is just like as a culture, like mm-hmm. that, you know, the reason that they, generally tend to want to be around other queer and femme people is just like it's a much less lonely it's a it's a more open and sharing environment so as we were talking about before the show like a lot of men get conditioned to treat women as their everything so like therapist sex partner like romantic partner yada 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 um but in that, I think they bring that last meal mentality to all these social interactions. Okay. And the reason that you were, like you said, to, to come back to the, you get the center, second interaction because of the first interaction, you didn't treat that like the last time you were going to see her. You know, there are all these moments in teen movies, especially in the 90s when I was coming up, of like desperately lonely and horny men just like... Mm-hmm ripping their chests open and pouring their hearts out to just some hot chick that they know absolutely nothing about, right? Like they know nothing about her except for her perfect idealized hotness in their mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And in the movies, it works. 
in mm -hmm. real life, except for Can't Hardly Wait, which was, I think, one of the best of those moments where he's like, I love you. I want to be with you. And she's like, what do you expect me to do? Just do you? Like, are you shitting yeah. me right now? <laughs> which um, it's it's an um, I love Can't Hardly Wait. It's one of the weird it. movies that still kind of holds up. Not all mm -hmm. of it, um, but a lot of it still holds up. And that soundtrack is. Mm. Oh, one of the best teen movie yeah. soundtracks along with the original American Pie. Anyway, yeah. but, but <laughs> when we talk about like last meal mentality, that is probably consciously or unconsciously what you're bringing to these interactions mm -hmm. that leave people feeling like you are creepy, which is like, you know, I need to tell all my funniest jokes. I need mm -hmm. to really razzle dazzle them. And instead you come off as either totally overwhelming or just like you said, like you were reading this interaction totally wrong. Like mm -hmm. um, in this kind of, and I am again, not in any way comparing the question asker to an incel, but like in incel culture, oh, this is, this is going to make you want to die, Matthew. And it makes you want to die knowing that yeah. this information displaced an essential phone number in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> but they all come out with this blank maxing. So jester maxing is trying to be as funny as you can and then they have oh. all this like i think it's like fitness maxing or whatever it is but like they come at this with this very quote-unquote demonstrating value mindset yeah. mm -hmm. where you treat yourself like a like a prized testosterone filled bull on the auctioning block not only could anything be any less attractive to a woman than treating yourself like that but again Women are out, women be out here trying to make emotional connections with people, stupid as it is, and we're still doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, incel culture, let's just put it this way any culture in which it's a bunch of men who are, uh, let's just say, less than skilled at interacting with other human beings, giving each other advice, um, that is a literal blind leading the blind situation. It's, uh, it's like people who, <laughs> I always, I always call it like people who theory craft, but never actually play the game. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of things that work in theory. And then when they hit the cold, harsh light of reality, like all the people are like, well, if I got in a fight, you know, he'll throw a right and then I'll slip to the left. And then I'll like, and then in an actual fight, they just like get punched in the face. Like, yeah. 100%. Punch yeah. in the face, fold like a two, like a two star hotel towel, you know? Exactly. So the, <laughs> the whole, the, and note the mistake here. They're so focused on their looks, on being funny and everything. All of their attention is internally focused to their own emotions and performance Boom. that they are not putting any attention into paying, into understanding and reading the person in front of them. Yep. Like, and we talked about this in Riz, right? It's about how you make other people feel. Yep. And you will have no idea about how you are making other people feel unless you're paying attention to them. <laughs> Can I also ask this question asker? Um, uh, and this is going to sound way more uh, interrogative than I mean for it to, but do you hate women? And let me, let me, let me follow up with that. A lot of men hate women and have no idea. And by that, I mean, women are sold to men as commodities. And if you gain a certain amount of value, you are told that you will be rewarded with a woman of a certain amount of value, right? Mm -hmm. So 
you know, and, and largely this has been true for a time when women were much less economically advantaged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cause that is how we did it. Um, but I think a lot of men who find themselves unhappy or lonely or, or they see women as something that you will eventually earn. Right. Mm -hmm. So like this frustration comes from like, I have done a lot of things to earn myself a woman mm -hmm. and yet they're not just crowding around my front door as I was told to believe. Right. Um, and I don't mean when I say like, quote unquote, lower your standards, what, whatever, what, you know, that doesn't mean lower your ethical standards. It means like, it's kind of like how a lot of women will be like, I only date guys that are over six feet. Well, about 86% of the male population is under six feet tall. So they're saying, mm -hmm. I, oh, oh, me, I'm not really interested in the vast majority of men. <laughs> yeah. I will compete with other women for this tiny little pool of men who, by being overwhelmed with choice, will never be forced to grow up. So if you're wondering mm -hmm. why there are just a bunch of em emotionally immature giants walking around the earth, this is the responsibility <laughs> of this group. But dead ass serious though, like I am being completely serious when I say like a lot of young women go into dating with very, very arbitrary rules about exactly that shit. Like, mm -hmm. have you ever seen the movie? Um, oh, is it up in the air where George Clooney plays the firing specialist? The corporate? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. So, um, Anna Kendrick's character lists off the most psychotic list of things that she wants from a man. It is so specific. It's like, I want him to have a single word name like Matt or Scott or Ben. And we live in a three bedroom and we have a golden retriever or maybe two. And then it, pan you know, it cuts back over to the two older characters who are just like, okay. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I also remember being 24, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of times, number one, you see this small group of people. You're, you guys are doing the six-foot math. Mm -hmm. You're doing six-foot math, but on the women. I don't know quite what the version of that is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's But you guys are doing that thing where it's like, well, I deserve a super hot chick like I've seen in the movies. Oh, there is one. I'm going to throw all my tricks at her. And she's like, get the fuck entirely away from me. Because you're not a human being at that point. You're a caricature. 100%. And you're a caricature who's like giving her constant jazz hands when she's just like, please stop doing jazz hands. But you're like, but what if I do jazz hands harder? And she's like, no. <laughs> He's like, like, will you, will you right, please just time. calm the fuck down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, uh, like, I want to go to the meal metaphor. It's like, you know, someone's like, I really don't want any more soup and you're just like but what if i gave you more soup and they're like no i don't want any soup and you're just like how about three times the amount of soup it's like it's like you're how about the, maybe to 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 refine this a little bit you're eating minestrone and you say i'm full i don't want any more soup so he brings you a bowl of cheddar broccoli and you're like <laughs> i do not want any more soup and he's yeah. like what about a beef barley and you're like <laughs> listen to me yeah so i i love that because i think that I love our metaphors, first of all. 
they they're always fantastic. Uh, and second, I think this leads us uh, really well into the next major trigger for creepiness, um, which is uh, rigid affect. Mm. And um, one of my clients brought up the example of Ron DeSantis, and I thought this was <laughs> mm, perfect. <laughs> right. So having the inappropriate affect is one way, but let's say you get good enough. You know, I'm supposed to smile now. That's the right thing. Ron DeSantis, you can see that in his face. Like I am in front of voters. Like I'm supposed to smile. Two problems he has. First, he sucks at smiling. So bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we can break down why he sucks at smiling in a second. But second, even if, even if, he were good at smiling. He holds the same facial expression oh, for so long. Oh my god. That even if it were the appropriate affect to begin with, four seconds later, it is no longer the appropriate affect. It's just terrifying. That's thank you. He my dude has set up a mansion in the uncanny valley. Like mm-hmm. Between first of all, if you just want like to have a fun day online or like a fun hour, look up Ron DeSantis boot lifts because my dude is wearing high motherfucking <laughs> heels inside his shoes. It yeah. is just t- watch any video of him walking on a stage. His feet are in wedges in there. Anyway, um, he he, it's the arms. It's it's mm-hmm. help. What do I do with my arms? I just got them installed yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like his Botox is slowly wearing off that he got it misplaced in his cheeks. So he's smiling. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's going to vomit the whole time when yeah. like like you said, when it's appropriate, it's creepy. And then he doesn't know when to stop. It's like he does like his handlers mm-hmm. don't have an off switch for him. So he's just standing there during a somber moment, smiling like a moron. <laughs> He, he, and he has a bad smile that is glued to his face, right? Awesome. So, so it, and Botox and those sort of things actually uh, cause problems uh, with people giving the appropriate affect because it partially paralyzes your face muscles. So all expressions <laughs> are composed of many multiple micro components, mm. right? And that's what the like, like what's the most obvious way or the most basic way to tell a real smile from a fake smile? Uh, the crinkling corner of your eyes, which is called the Duchenne smile. Exactly. So you see the corner of your eyes pull up a little bit because you're activating those muscles. Um, so that's how you can tell. And all of you can do it, even if you didn't know exactly what you were seeing, right? This is how exquisitely fine-tuned uh, human brains are. To yep. these minute differences. So the Botox doesn't help because it means portions <laughs> of his face are going to be paralyzed and it's just going to be like missing shit. It's like yeah. 70% of a proper smile is creepy as hell because you're like, it's supposed to be a smile, yep. but it's not. And as you put it, uncanny valley, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the last place you want to be. Matt, I want you to describe a little micro difference in my expression and how much it changes what my expression means. Are you ready? Okay. So what Sarah has done is that she went from a natural smile, which, and then she lifted up her eyebrows way too much so that it opened up the top lids of her eyes. So it's a combination between a smile and a startle and looking surprised. 
I look yes. terrified, like I'm trying and failing to hold exactly. it together. And that's how Ron DeSantis looks all yes. the time. Because there are two components there. There is a, when you have your eyebrows come up, that opens up your eyes really wide. That is a natural surprise response, right? <laughs> and then if you combine that with then the open, with like a smile showing your teeth, you look horrifying. Like you look terrified, um, (laughs) but you're trying to like defuse the threat by looking harmless, right? (laughs) And this is what I mean that like you, you, we can break down each component, right? But here it's just the subtle change in your eyebrows and the change that it makes to the shape of your eyes. So you get a combined expression that is like, like barely controlled terror, (laughs) right? Um, and actually like one thing that you often see with people who are being abused or, uh, like in the process of getting murdered, they often try to like appease the person attacking them by smiling, by, you know, but they have all these other components of like fear and surprise and all those things. So it, yeah. So that's why in horror movies, right. Um, we see these facial expressions and we can, uh, and we can parse them as like, this person is terrified regardless of whether or not um, they're, they're showing their teeth and attempting to smile. And what, um, was, what was the name of that affect that you just named <clears throat> when it's the same, when it's unchanging? It said stiff affect. Is oh, that what it rigid, was? rigid affect. Rigid affect. So, so I also, there are so many different examples too of like rigid affect that crops up in many different ways that comes off as creepy. So one of them is the, oh, I'm kidding. Like, mm-hmm. so, which the rigid, in that situation, the rigid affect is I'm having a good time. You need to have a good time with me. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, another one is, Hey, we're all having a good time. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? When it's one person who's trying to force you into an interaction, but it's like, Hey, we're all just having fun here. And, <clears throat> uh, on the same, you know, sort of token is like, Oh, I was just kidding. Or like, it's this thing about like, regardless of what this person who is not having a good time said, like in this moment, your definition of the sort of tone of this interaction is mm-hmm. you're forcing it on the other person. And I think back to this motherfucker and Dakota, if you're out there, I hope you get hit by a bus going slow enough. It doesn't kill you. Uh, this guy that I used to be like tangentially connected to my group of friends would take pictures of us. This is in digital camera age. I'm a thousand years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had this little point and shoot camera and he would shoot it and would be like, hey, can you not take, like, I, I don't want you to take my picture. Oh. And then he would hold it up right in your face and take a picture. And this is like, I know, like, again, creepy, people think of creepy as like an inherently like sexually menacing or like sex pest kind of thing. When all it is, is your boundaries don't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it can be expressed, I think, as you put it really well there, in a way that is not directly threatening to like your physical well-being. Yeah. Uh, but this is someone who is A, ignore has inappropriate social affect, who is clearly v- doing things and behaving in a way that other people don't want, and then is rigid, will refuses to change, refuses to let it go. Um, and like... I want to make this very clear for those of you who are worried about your face. Like what is my face doing at all times? Right. This is comes from me and I know that y'all can't see me, but I have been described as a squinty Muppet. Like, (laughs) 
my facial expressions are extremely exaggerated naturally. I think you would agree <laughs> with that, but I just have a very expressive and mobile face naturally. Yeah. Um, which means that my facial expressions could very easily veer into absurd caricature, Jim Carrey, yeah. like, uh, territory, but my face does not stay in any of those particular, uh, those particular expressions for very long that I, that this fluidity of expression actually is the only thing that keeps me from teetering over into creepiness. Right. Despite the exaggeration of like every facial expression I have. Um, So the way that I do that is by externalizing my focus on the person I'm with and then like reacting to them as I'm doing. And, and what happens is that my face naturally changes in real time. Yep. Right. To the other person's affect, to the conversation we're having, to what's going on. Yeah. And rigidity can be as little, as subtle as being a half a second or a second late on laughing on the, at the joke. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the big reason why that happens to a lot of people who are anxious or worried is that they're so focused on what they're feeling and what's going on inside is that it takes up so much of their processing power in their brain that they're always a beat behind. Correct. Right. And again, I'm going to say this a million times. The key is externalizing your focus, right? Pay attention to the person uh, who's talking or the person you're interacting with and just let your responses go. Just let them respond naturally and you will be on time because humans are designed for this. <laughs> also, like as a neurodiverse person who like sometimes I get a little chip on my shoulder about like being an undiagnosed neurodiverse girl because like the 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 <laughs> recommendation was like stop being weird, right? Like it was just like we'll just stop being weird. And so if you are worried about this, like number 1, I want you to know like I 100% hear you. I found human interaction in a lot of these ways to be like very, very baffling. And uh, if you're neurodiverse and you're kind of a hyper concentrator, sometimes your face does not match the tone of the conversation. And I guess what I would say about that is you are going to have to practice if this is like, all these things are going to come down to practice, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. going to to practice and you're going to have a couple of just burner Tinder dates where like, the whole point is to go out with someone nice and be nice to them and have a first date and just like practice listening. I know it sounds so crazy, but like, okay, I dated a guy. Oh my God, this is so horrifying. I dated a guy who felt a very profound power imbalance in our relationship. I now realize that like he saw me as mommy. Listen, mom, mommy uh. issues guys really love me. Um, but he a lot of times was so worried on pleasing me that he wasn't actually listening to what I was saying. He was just like sort of mindlessly mirroring my emotions. And so I would be laughing mm-hmm. about something because I laugh about things that are horrifying because that's how I cope. And he would burst out laughing. And I'm like, you're not listening to the actual. Yeah. So that, so not listening can bite you on both sides, which is why we say, Listen, just please listen and react as naturally as humanly possible. Yeah, (laughs) because, I mean, the biggest thing that's going on with the creepiness response is that it's just this feeling of unease that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Something's not quite right. That's what makes it different than like horror or revulsion or something like that. You know, that that if someone says creepiness, 
congratulations. Like you're not psychotic. You're not terrifying the people around you. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's a very good thing. Um, here's here's but another, it, can we, can we also get this one singular brutal truth out of the way, which is that how attractive other people find you does unfortunately influence how often your actions are chalked up as creepy, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I think about this example all the time, which is Sex in the City. And Mr. Big is seen as like the romantic, like he is the romantic prize. He is Mr. Big. He is rich. He is successful. He is handsome. He is a creep. He is a horribly, uh-huh. horribly emotionally immature, manipulative man who goes and steals Carrie back, who's left, like moved to another country with a man who has had the emotional maturity to say, I would like to commit to you. I love you. I want to be with you forever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, came to her with the only thing, all of the other, I mean, it's also Mikhail Baryshnikov. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, yeah. you're going to move to Paris <laughs> with Baryshnikov. I see what them hips do. This is perfect. Um, yeah. Sarah, but, I, I but, love this as an example. Yes. But, but because Mr. Big, if Mr. Big was overweight, unattractive, poor, and he went to another country to go steal back a woman, you'd be like, God, what a fucking loser. What a creep. Uh-huh. But because he is, he has all the social status markers. And I say that because, like, I would imagine this episode is aimed more at people who see good looking men doing creepy shit and getting away with uh-huh. it. It doesn't make it less wrong. And eventually all attractive men become undesirable in some way. And I, I am telling you it refracts the light on that behavior in such a new way that it is a rude awakening for these men. Cause honey, everybody gets old. Yeah. 100%. And I think that this gets us transitions us beautifully to the last uh, major component of creepiness, uh, which is unpredictability mm. that the, Mr. Big's problem, in addition to all these other things, is that he's constantly hot and cold. Yes. Right? Wildly Carrie inconsistent. Ne- Carrie never knows which version of him she's going to get, right? Yes. Um, and it's not that the creepiness signals aren't there. It's that the other social markers of desirability sort of override them. Yes. But there's still always a sense of unease yeah. Uh, and creepiness surrounding him, despite the fact that um, people are o- that Carrie in this case, but other people are overriding their feelings of creepiness because of these other things. It yeah. never goes away. It's still there. Yeah. So unpredictability is something that I think for a lot of people they can work on. Yeah. By right by again externalizing their focus responding to the other person consistent focus and attention so if you're someone in an interaction who starts off really strong like hey you're joking right but the instant the other person looks at someone else looks away for a second checks their phone if your demeanor entirely changes yeah right that will be creepy because the other person isn't in your head they don't know why you're, you've suddenly changed, you're suddenly more distant, you're more cold, or you might seem angry, right? All they know is that you're potentially dangerous because they don't know how you're going to respond sometimes to something they don't even know about. Yep. Right? So that sort of consistency is, people ask me a lot, like, they're like, you know, um, 
you know, a lot of my work depends on making other people feel comfortable and safe with me, heard and respected. And they asked me how I do that. And I said, the biggest thing is that I always treat people with the same level of respect, attention, and kindness, no matter what mood I'm in and no matter how they treat me. Yeah. Right. That, that requires a lot of emotional control. And I scream into pillows sometimes after when I get home, right? (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Right. Um, Not always, sometimes, but if you want to create a positive social affect, if you want to not be creepy, but be seen as warm, someone who makes other people feel comfortable, right? These are the three components, right? Match, be have an appropriate social affect, have it not be rigid, have it be fluid and in the moment you're reacting to the people around you and have it be predictable, yep. right? And all of these, I think, share the same thing of demonstrating... Um, attention to other people's needs and emotions. Yep. The self-control to uh, pay attention and not get overwhelmed by your own feelings and to pay attention to them and to have it be predictable because predictable is safe. That if you know um, the worst thing that can happen, you know, like uh, uh, they did, they've done experiments uh, with animals where, um, where they hit, they hit a button, right. They receive food. So what do rats do? They hit the button, they get food. If they change it so that every time they hit the button, they get shocked, the rats quickly learn that, they stop pressing the button. If they decouple the food and the shocks from the button, right? If now suddenly when they press it, nothing happens, they press it, they get food, and sometimes they press it, they get shocked, right? What they find is that the rats give up. They just give up on life and just lay there because they have no feeling of control. They don't know what to expect Uh, that if they always get shocked, if they never get shocked, that's a fine way to live. But it's that unpredictability. And the reason I saved it for last is because it's also the thing you out there listeners have the most control over. Correct. Right. And is the easiest place to start. I think is making sure that people know what to expect from you. And if you're going to deviate from that baseline, if you're having a real shit day, but you still got to take the meeting, make sure that is clear up front. Just be like, I am exhausted, my friends. And so I might not be as smiley and laughy as normal. Like, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm just real tired. So like my kids kept me up last night. Like baby was sick, whatever. Um, So like, uh, just please extend me that grace. Guess what? Now they're not guessing. Now it's pre- now you've made it predictable. This is perfect because women. I assume this episode is aimed mostly at people who date women, mostly people who date straight women. Um, but our lives are governed governed by the fact that our safety is always in question, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and to the point that like when I was growing up, uh, as you know, one of two daughters in a household, you know, we were, the scare tactics are laid on pretty thick and it's like an attempt to keep you safe. Right. But like, so if you just keep that in the forefront of your mind, that like, just like you said, predictability is so nice. And if you want to know like just how to be successful with like, as a, you know, probably straight man dating straight women, which is like, 
keep a relaxed attitude. Like women already feel like we kind of have to apologize all the time for everything. So, you know, if a woman says, Hey, I'm running 15 minutes late, just say, it's absolutely no problem. I'm enjoying my time here at the bar, which is like, Mm -hmm. it's okay for you. Like I am going to have a good time. I am in a good time mindset. Like, please don't worry. Right. Or, um, you know, for example, hey, I'd love to have you over to my apartment if it's the first time you're having him over. If, if you are not comfortable with that, I totally understand and we can make a different plan, right? Like, mm-hmm. I will be flexible. Your safety and your comfort are at the forefront of my mind. And, you know, this is me offering, this is me offering to take away the burden of making a plan, but also opening myself to changing the plan per your comfort, you know? And a lot of women avoid... Uh, re- openly rejecting men or they're afraid of even like broaching that. So they just ghost them. Right. Correct. Because so many men go from being like, you're a queen. Like, you know, I'll do anything to you. So like you fucking bitch yourself. So f- I bet you're fat anyway. Like yeah. uh, you're yep. so ugly. I hate you. Like, right. Uh, don't, don't do that. Anybody don't, do that. don't, don't treat other people that way. No matter who you are, who you're dating, yeah. what interaction that is. Yeah. But like, if you express, interest in someone just be consistent with them yep right just don't be like hot and cold someday or another because guess what mr big ain't a great great role model i was please don't take any dating advice from any movie that has any movie any tv show like good fictional drama comes from people acting emotionally immature uh, real life successful relationships come from people just telling each other how they feel and what they're going through. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I am dating somebody who has been through some stuff in terms of just like some relationships that ended up in in ways that were regrettable, and who upfront was like, "I am these are this is what happened in the past. I need you to know that this is what I'm worried about." And, Mm -hmm. you know, that informed a lot of my behavior in a similar way that I was like, this is kind of how dudes have treated me. And it turned out I thought maybe I wanted it. Turns out I hated it. I am sort of changing my, you know, strategy from here on out. Mm -hmm. But if you are a young man, you might still be laboring under this false concept of masculinity as this sort of like towering monolith of like polished marble and emotionlessness. And women don't want that. Number one, we don't want that. Like, it's just, it's, we have feelings. It's easier to live with a partner who can at least reflect those feelings back to you. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Go to therapy and learn why you feel the way that you feel. Like, you know, when I, I remember telling my therapist something about like, I, I, was told growing up that because I'm a messy, cluttered person, that this like categorically prevented me from ever being in a relationship where someone could love me back because mm-hmm. this was my mother's f- f- piss poor attempt at getting me to clean my closet. It was like, no mm-hmm. one will ever love you if you're this messy. Well, I had no idea that that was kind of the, you know, the information that I was laboring under. Right. And it yeah. was affecting my relationships and it was, you know, like, having somebody over and being so stressed out from the process of making it like surgical sweet clean in there and like nothing else being acceptable. Right. And being able to talk to a therapist about why this, 
thing that started 25, 30 years ago, right, was like cropping up in my dating life. You have something like that that is leading you to be creepy. I fucking guarantee it. Because what it did to me is it made me a lunatic, right? Like um, you would clean like a crazy person, but stuff all the stuff in the closet. So then like the closet, like if someone even went for the door handle, you're just like, don't open that. And like, that's crazy. Why are you acting like that about that closet? Yeah. But it will it will drive you to like put that um instinct into something that is unhealthy. And instead, what I do now is say like, hey, I'm super self-conscious about like how clean my house is. So like, you know, I'm working through it and that person knows that like, you know, that's just something that they should be aware of and that it stresses me out. And we might end up not going back to my house, going to their house because it's less stressful, but like just own your shit, own your yep. shit, declare it like contraband at the border. And a lot of things will be less, less troublesome to you. And note that you're sharing it at an appropriate time. You're yep. not opening with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I just want to say I went through this. I went through this where I thought that like, maybe I'll just like zag on him and just like tell him everything that's wrong with me on the first date. This is like mid twenties. Holy shit. Holy shit. Please don't do that. Like, I'm sorry. I know that it's frustrating to feel like if, if, let me put it this way. If you feel like you have to like conjure this kind of alternative personality that you slowly tug away at like a curtain until the real you is revealed. Number one, you probably don't know yourself enough to know all the things that are really likable about yourself. Cause there's way more of those that are just like so much more important to spend your first five dates getting out. Right. Mm-hmm. But and we'll we'll do an episode about small talk in the future, but like, and the why small talk is actually quite big and it's important. Um, But like, I love all of this, and I hundred percent agree. And I I also just want to to expand a little bit that like when we talk about like consistency, we talk about uh, predictability. Where this there's some people who think that that's intention with rigidity, and it's not. Um, And the best example I can give is that like. If you show showing care to your partner, right, consistently showing care for their emotions and caring about them, some days that's laughing along with their joke. Yeah. Other days that's uh, crying with them while they're crying or holding yep. them while they're crying. Note that rigidity would mean you're either laughing at both <laughs> or you're crying at both, yeah. right? Consistency predictability is that you are consistently responding with love and care and matching what their needs are, Yeah. right? And um, I also love the example you give that like rigidity is saying like every time I see you, my house always has to be clean. Correct. Has to be spotless. Right. And predictability is that like if (laughs) – let's say it's normally spotless and one day it's messy. You're just Mm -hmm. like, hey, I had a really busy week. Um, I want you to know what to expect from here. Because what you're doing is that you are making sure that they always know that you're that you want them to feel safe and comfortable in their home, and you might demonstrate that some days by making sure it's you know the 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 place your idealized place, and sometimes it's just letting them know it's not, but you still want them there. Yep. Yep. Right. And for me, I've say I'm not a particularly clean person. I'm not particularly organized. Um, that like that's fine if. I would not be able to be in the right mind space to be with a partner if I had spent the last two days frantically trying to, you know, 
uh, scrub every surface and hide all my shit. Like I'll be at the door frazzled, like, uh, like half drenched from the, uh, from like the mop bucket spilling all over me. Like, you know, I am not going to be in a place to provide the, the appropriate social affect for like, you know, a sexy date or something. (laughs) I mean, and you could, okay. So I just want to say like, you could extend this to so many things. Like I know of people who dated as a disabled, as a visibly disabled person or like as an overweight person or like, you know, my, my version of this is like, instead of engaging with this person, all I was doing was my eyes were darting around looking at all the like little spots that I've missed, right? Like you're dating as an overweight person and you feel defined by your weight. Like you're constantly pulling at your clothes and you're trying to sit a certain way and you're trying to hide your body in a certain way. Or like, you know, you're trying to like, we all do this thing where it's like, this is my big thing that gets in the way of me connecting with people. I'm going to spend this entire date thinking about how to cover it up. And ultimately just leads you to acting like a fucking weirdo. And then you're creepy. And note that all of your focus then is internal. Yeah. Right. You're focused on your body. You're focused on, on on how, on your, how uncomfortable you are, how anxious, maybe they'll see, maybe they won't. And like, The person that this doesn't mean don't care, right? But it does mean in the moment that if you're worried about your body, the other person will let you know mm-hmm. based on how they react to you, how they how if they find you attractive or not. Mm-hmm. And if they don't find you attractive, that's okay. You deserve <laughs> to find someone. You know, it's not the last meal. You deserve someone who does find you attractive. So, like. You don't have to, in that moment, externalize your focus. Is this person finding me attractive? Are they making eye contact? Are they touching me in light ways? Are, are, are they facing me? Are they engaging fully? Or do they look like they're trying to pull away? And this is not in a judgmental way toward yourself or toward them. It says nothing about your objective attractiveness, desirability. It just says, you know, is this person into me or not? Yeah. Right? And... That means that in regardless of what the answer is, both of you will be able to walk away from it feeling fine. Yep. Um, can, we, yeah. can we also say like, if you're, you know, probably this is aimed at online dating, but like post good, real photos, Yeah. good, real photos, like Fuck filters, fuck filters, fuck those pictures that you took, those headshots you took 10 years ago, fuck uh-huh. those, like, you know, someone out there, I have a friend of mine who constantly thinks he's fat. He's always trying to lose weight. This motherfucker is thick like a tree. And like every woman who I've ever known that's been so fucking horny for him is like, I want to climb that motherfucking thick mm-hmm. beast like a tree. And he's muscular. I mean, he looks like a Viking. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's like muscular and has a little bit of a beer belly because he likes beer, right? Like mm-hmm. in his mind, he is never in the right place for a relationship because he needs to lose weight, right? If he was able to, and I've had this like shake him by the lapel moment of just like, yeah. this is exactly what women like about you. Like, yeah. and men, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Like, you like a, a, a spectrum of bodies and faces and haircuts and like same, same, we're all the same. Right. So like if it would make you feel better to 
you know, don't go after it. Like I'm, I'm only going to start my profile once I've lost 80 pounds, right? Like Uh if you would like to go to the gym to feel a little bit better, like just don't, someone out there is really into whatever you've got going on. Exactly. And like, you know, I, I can just say personally, I've dated women from five feet tall to five, nine. I've dated, uh, women for, uh, a cups to J cups. (laughs) <laughs> um, I've dated women who are 90 pounds. I've dated women who are 190 pounds. Yep. Like sexy is sexy is sexy. They're unique and beautiful and wonderful in all their in yep. all these different ways. And like ultimately what matters is how the other person makes you feel and how you feel about them. Yeah. And the only way you're gonna find that out, right, is by learning about each other, sharing with each other at appropriate times and ways, right? And uh, getting out, getting out of your own way, mm-hmm. right? By letting yourself learn about this other person, and then also relaxing enough and externalizing your focus, and not getting so caught up in your own feelings and insecurities that you can't just be yourself. And that's ultimately when people say "be yourself," right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it a little more specific on mm-hmm. on how to do that, right? But I, I think I've said this a million times, but it's this externalization of focus onto the other people, yeah. uh, onto the other person that is like step, step one. It is the yeah. necessary first step to be able to do any of these things well. So if you take away nothing else from this is <laughs> like give other people as much of your attention as you possibly can. Yeah. Right. And by doing that, you will be able, you will in immediately improve everything else that you're doing. And if if people if you think that your smile is bad, if you realize I'm not doing a great job, you know, uh getting my uh the outside of my eyes to do the right thing, you know, this is something you can practice. I know it feels silly, but I for a long time was really uh self-conscious about my teeth, so I didn't like smiling in a way that showed my teeth, which made my smiles look real dumb. Yeah. <laughs> So I had to literally construct from scratch a, a natural smile yeah. and I had to practice it uh, in, in a, looking at myself in a mirror until I knew what it felt like. Oh, I love, I mean, listen, right? all this stuff that sounds so stupid, whether it is, whether it is positive affirmations in the mirror, like I know it, I know all this stuff sounds so stupid, but like, this is how well-adjusted people become well-adjusted mm-hmm. is like. Oh, I know. I know. It's awful. It's truly awful. And I, and, and let me just lay something that's going to sound bleak on the front, but I hope you hear it as liberating as it is in the best case scenario. Everyone rejects you, but one person. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. along your whole life, like most people are not going to fall in love with you. A lot of people are going to like you and not love you. Some people are not going to find you attractive. Like, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be fine. It's, it's really not. I mean, if we may return to the only good advice sex in the city ever gave, which is he's just not that into you. She's just not that into you. And mm-hmm. you know, however you need to conceptualize this to, to, to use the great quote from Miss May West, like you could be the juiciest peach in the world and there are going to pe- be people out there who just don't like peaches. Right. Yeah. You just have to become okay with, romantically professionally whatever like 
this is not personal, even though it's the most personal fucking thing you're going to do. It actually isn't personal. And I always say like one first date is the ghost grace period. So like, you know, give up after two unreplied to texts, just like call it. Uh, if you want to, if you are really excited about someone, I think this is a, a valid reason to like, say like, I really enjoyed our time together. I was excited. You know, if, if later on down the road, you feel like you want to revisit this with me, shoot me a text and then get the fuck out of there. Cause there are so many other people who want your attention and want to see and, and, and want to meet you. Oh my God. If I could go yeah. back in time and tell Sarah anything I want to, like, it's going to make me like choke up. Like you are wasting your life on these people who have made it abundantly clear that they don't want you back. Move on. Someone, multiple someone's actually would love to like drive you around in a fucking convertible and then like, you know, build a cold frame as you can have vegetables in the winter. Like someone wants to do this stuff for you. Why are you letting this person who's not interested take up so much of your space in your brain? Quit yeah. it. That is amazing and fantastic advice. Um, so this is, I'm terrible at these transitions, uh, but I'm going to make it as jagged as possible. Um, but I want to speak about things that make my life better, that make it possible for me to be uh, the happy uh, person that I am today. And a big component of that is Metal Honey. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, tell us what's going on at the Metal Honey Laboratories. Woo! Well, it is uh, officially wintertime. So at this point, it's a great time for us to expand our uh, wholesale uh, clients. So if you have a market that you want to see us at, um, the best, actually, the best way to get hold of me is to go into metalhoney.com and we see that little chat box pop up. That's as good as texting me. So um, it goes right to my phone, whether I want it to or not, day or goddamn night. Uh, so send me a, um, a little link or something if you have a local store or even like your local Kroger. Um, something else that I recently found out is that your local Kroger, your local Meyer, your local whatever, um, often there are forms or little terminals that you can go in and request products. So if you really feel strongly about it, I would love you and appreciate you for every day till the day I die. If you do that for me at your local uh, Kroger, especially. And uh, yeah, I'm, I just... Ooh, 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 no, I'm going to get choked up. Yeah. I'm really, really grateful for three years of people, damn it, making orders and making this possible. And I'm about to go back to work right now. And I'm very excited. So thank you all so much for the support. So uh, I just say that it's been my pleasure as your co-host and my joy to be able to follow you on this on this journey. And uh, I'm just asking all of you out there, go to metalhoney.com. All of the products make amazing holiday gifts, especially for the foodies in your life. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, figuring out my gift giving this season, and there are already a few people I know I'm going to be ordering Metal Honey stuff for. Um, oh. The new, the new, the new uh, packaging is amazing. Thank you. I would. I did want to plug one thing. So we do have something at metalhoney.com. It's a tastemakers club. So it's a quarterly um, product test club. So. Uh, this quarter, you're getting cocktail enhancers. So there's uh, three products in there. It's um, Margarita's Wrath, which is a sweet and It's like chamoy on uh, steroids, if you know mm. what that is. But super mm -hmm. spicy, sweet, sour um, for making your margaritas into spicy margaritas. Just roll the rim in there. And then Margarita's Revenge, which is a margarita salt that has sour mango. 
And then there's also something in there called Funky Mary, and that is a Bloody Mary Michelada rimming salt for a little extra umami and heat. So get that at metalhoney.com. Sign up now. Ships quarterly. That that sounds amazing. And that also sounds like a good thing for all those holiday parties. If you want yes. drinks that people will remember, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to find uh, the podcast, uh, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, so please like, subscribe, share, leave a rating and review. Uh, it really helps us out with the algorithm. Really appreciate it. You can find us at Perp Stew on Twitter. Still not saying the other name. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and please send in your questions, comments, all that stuff. Uh, we're going to be having a, a composite mailbag uh, of a lot of the stuff, hopefully around Thanksgiving time. So be on the lookout for that. But that's going to do it for us uh, this week. Uh, this has been the per- Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. Until next time, stay curious. Bye.